You're listening to Putting It In Writing, a headstuff podcast about Irish publishing. In each episode, we take a look at the different parts of the industry and find out how they work and whether they're working. this episode, we will be moving from the realm of public service to private enterprise. That said, rather than the detached world of big business, we will be examining the trade of independent booksellers. Though there may not be Parisian bouquinistes plying their trade beside the Liffey, Lee, Corrib, Shore or Shannon, bookshops feature prominently in the commercial landscape. Our cities are often judged on their cultural cachet, which may be directly or indirectly affected by the quality of our bookshops. Even in more rural areas, there are well-established bookselling businesses. In both contexts, they are often more than just a place to buy a book. A bookshop is somewhere to stop over during an errand, or stop entirely. In this episode, we will be visiting three different shops. Vinnie Brown works in Charlie Burns Bookstore, which is located in the Cornstone Mall on Middle Street in Galway. It has moved twice as it has increased in size. It began as a stall on Munster Avenue in the late 1980s. Cows Lane in Temple Bar was once the site of a cattle mart. Now it houses an Italian restaurant, a patisserie, a tattoo parlour and the gutter bookshop, run by Bob Johnston. Over on Delir Street, Morris Earls of Books Upstairs is still settling into the new premises, which is across the street from the old offices of the Irish Times. Each of the three stores is distinct in its identity. It's a combination of uh, second-hand uh, remaindered uh, and new books, and then a small amount of uh, antiquarian, not very much. So it is that's the mixture, first of all. So that would in itself would be kind of unusual. Um, the, our approach generally is that we pick everything ourselves. Everything is individually chosen. So, I mean, even though we have a huge stock of books, probably 100,000, but everything is picked by ourselves. We okay. deliberately, we want to put star picks at the front of our shop yes. because star picks says so much about what yes. we do. You know, we can't hold everything. So no. our business as an independent bookshop is okay. to know our stock and to recommend great books to people. So okay. that's the rationale why you would put something like star picks at the front. Yeah. I made a, a very firm effort that I wanted classics and I wanted drama and poetry yes. at the front okay. of our shop. And normally poetry is like shoved in some back corner oh, somewhere. Yes. Okay. Um, we don't sell that much poetry, but it's in a prime position at the front of the shop okay. um, because it says something about who we are, yeah. you know, okay. like and, yes. and what we do as a bookshop. And we do want to be taken seriously as a bookshop. Yeah. Okay. Um, but we find room for everything we we have a children's section and we like to make the children's section fun so we put down fake grass and we put big <laughs> posters up and you know you have yeah. to make it a fun place for kids to be as well so yes. we have these little green stools that i got from ikea surprisingly enough you mm. know that make it just bring up a, a fun element um books upstairs was um set up in 1978 myself mm. and one other person set it up um and the idea at the time was to introduce books that were not widely available mm. in Dublin at the time. Okay. And we've been sort of doing that more or less. We have a we have a we have a profile. It's very clear when you mm. come in here yes. what we're trying to do, okay. and um, and it attracts um, a certain sort of 
customer we like mm. to think of as a discriminating reader. Okay. And, uh, that's worked for us, so we don't really think we'll be changing that. By nature, each shop is defined by their decisions. This poses the question, who exactly decides what goes on the shelves, and where do they find the books to fill them? It appears the ideals of ancient Greece are alive and well in the Gotter Bookshop. So we're all very democratic here in the <laughs> yeah. Gutter Bookshop. So every month we would get a list of new books that are coming out. We have one big main supplier called Argosy Books, who okay. are an Irish-owned independent wholesaler of okay. books. So they would bring in all the books from all the different publishers. So they'd mm. talk to Penguin Books and HarperCollins and all of these people. They'd right. all get visits okay. and... You know, these people go in and say, OK, these are our new books for July, mm. and Argosy would pick up a whole raft mm. of those books from Penguin, etc. We then get a list from Argosy to say, okay. these are the books that we'll be stocking in July. What okay. do you want, basically? Right. And here in the staff, we have five staff. So we have three staff here in Cows Lane and a couple of staff out in Dorkey. Mm. And we get our little form and we mark it up. And each of us goes through that form mm. and puts down what we want of each book. So okay. it might be one, it might be five, yeah. it yeah. might be ten, whatever. Okay. Yeah. Um, Anne, who's the store manager here in Cows Lane, makes the final call. Right. So, you know, okay. if one of us has said we want ten and yeah. the other one says we only want one, she'll yeah. maybe go for five. You oh, know, okay. so it's all yeah. very democratically done. <laughs> and so that's it. So we go through the list and we mark up what we want for the following month. Okay. And then place the orders with our supplier for that amount. Mm. We also talk to the publishers a lot okay. because although we're buying our stock in from Argosy, the yeah. wholesaler, we obviously need information on the books. Yeah, so okay. publishers would send us what we call proof copies of the mm. books, which are advanced reading copies, and we'll take them home and read them and see if they're very good. Okay. Um, and if we if it's something we read and we yeah. love, then we'll obviously order a bucket load because then yeah. we can, okay. when we're talking to customers, we can say, we've read this, it's oh, fantastic, yes. okay. you've got to read it. And we have our regulars that come in saying, yes. well, what should I be reading? Read this, read this, read this. <laughs> and that's the best bit about it. Yeah, anybody yeah. who's a bookseller, I think, is saying, is being able to talk to customers and say, yes. you've got to read this book. It's fantastic. Mm. You know, as we all yeah, do yeah, as, yeah. as readers uh, anyway, yes, to our exactly. friends and whatever. Yeah. It's amazing. People love a recommendation. Yeah. So um, every every year when I look back at our bestsellers out of yeah. the top 20, at least 10 of them are staff picks yes. because people love that. Yeah, you've got to read this yeah. you know and it doesn't matter if it's new or it's old yeah. um okay. so yeah so it's all about recommending it's picking stuff that we love and then you know buying that in putting yeah. it on the shelf and then in all honesty if yeah. nobody else buys it it sits <laughs> on the shelf for about we keep stuff for about nine ten months yes and okay. then if it, nobody's bought it it goes back to the publisher it's uh, like okay. a sad rejected yes. book that goes back <laughs> to the publisher we call them returns um yeah. So we do that, but hopefully we do sell it. Hopefully our buying's good enough mm. that we sell most things. And, mm. um, and as I say, the staff picks is always our strongest seller because people love that recommendation. It may indeed seem a tragic fate for these returning books, but it's not necessarily the end of the story. It, it's, there, there's lots of, to answer your question, there's lots of different, different um, companies ranging from very high quality to people selling uh you know stuff toys and some books and that kind of thing so you know there, there's a huge range of people who operate in that 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 second hand remaindered bargain type part of the the book market but it's a very important one and it's a very important one for us you know because that that those books are out there and it it's very um it's, it's a very important way to, to, to stock that kind of material at a price that people can afford. Perhaps the thought of countless titles adrift on a tide of taste and demand is even more bleak. 
There is a second lease of life for some, however. Thing, particularly the the kind of academic books that were very expensive when they were when they came out first. Then maybe three or four years later, they are remaindered. They sell for ten, fifteen euro, uh, as opposed to forty to sixty. You know, um, the people who spend that money in the first place are you normally institutions. It's that model of academic publishing that people like Oxford University Press, Four Courts, I think also to a, to a particular degree, publish very specialist material um, and sell it to libraries around the world. And then once once the once the libraries have bought it for those for that at that price, then it is it isn't a commercial entity any longer, and it's sold to remainder companies who sell it to shops like ourselves. And then you know then it has a second life in that in that in that way. Most independent booksellers would deal with a wholesaler, and so I was curious whether taking orders from so many different outlets would pose a logistical challenge. Because you always you can't turn down books when people offer them to you for, for sale because you know you, if somebody want if if you want them then you buy them and then figure out where to put them afterwards and that's that that that's the logistical difficulty but it's more that's that's a difficulty associated with the kind of business rather than any of the organizational issues that we'd have with distributors and rental like that that's that's kind of straightforward enough but it's the volume of books at from certain at certain times challenges you uh, in terms of, of logistics of storage space you can't put everything in the shop because it's stuffed already um, but at the same time you have several pallets of books that you have nowhere to put them so you know that that's that's the major logistical error logistical challenge scale also informs the identity of the gutter bookshop. Yeah, buying is a difficult one, and okay. say, and it's yeah. it's it's an interesting one when you come from a position like me, where you were buying for you know a chain of twenty seven bookshops, mm, yes. and you're buying things in the hundreds, you know, <laughs> and I'll take five hundred of that, blah yeah. blah blah, to running your own small independent bookshop yes. where you don't have much space on the shelves, and no, every book okay. has to kind of exactly. earn its yes. keep, you know, it yeah. has to it's take up valuable shelf space. Yes. We have to really believe in it. It is important for a bookshop to have a clear sense of identity as customers like to feel they are somewhere where they belong. In Minneapolis, Minnesota, bookstore Wild Rumpus maintains a large body of staff. The children's bookshop is famously full of animals, with several cats, ferrets and chinchillas manning the shelves, along with a tarantula named Thomas Jefferson. With more extreme branding decisions, booksellers run the risk of alienating certain customers. In the case of our three interviewees, each of the stores has a clear idea of what their store is about, and to a certain extent, this is reflected in the people who shop there. The biggest thing, actually, in the shop we have, we have a section called Staff Picks, oh, yes. um, okay. where we all do an individual little review. We pick the books we particularly like. They might mm. be old, they might be even classics, they might yes. be a Dickens, I don't know, or okay. they might be brand new. And we write a little card about why we love this book yes. so much. Okay. And it's amazing. People love a recommendation. Yeah. So um, every, every year when I look back at our bestsellers out of yeah. the top 20, at least 10 of them are staff picks yes. because people love that. Yeah, You've got to read this. Yeah. You know. Well, it's, it's, it's not dissimilar to the motivation behind the bookshop itself. Yeah. Okay. We want to um, demonstrate that um, reviews, that writing of a reflective and um, analytical uh, type, which is fully accessible and not weighed down with jargon, uh, 
can um, be produced in Dublin, okay. and uh, we we sort of feel we're making a, a contribution to the intellectual um, status of the city and oh. to the intellectual life of the city okay. uh, in producing it. And um, we have an international circulation. Mm. One third of our readership is in the United States, okay. um, but one third here in Ireland, and the rest is scattered around the world. Okay. So um, uh, it, it's it, it fits very dovetails with, 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 our, yes. with our other objectives. The location of the gutter bookshop also plays a part. Honestly, when I picked this up, the reason I picked Temple Bar um, was because I couldn't believe there wasn't a bookshop in here Temple already. Bar, in yeah. fairness, <laughs> Connolly Books, who were the radical bookshop, yes. yeah, were no. closed at the time. Oh, they okay. reopened right. kind of later on. They were being refurbished and okay. stuff. But, um, but they are a niche bookshop. They are, you mm, know, a, yeah. a radical bookshop and quite different than, than yes. you know, what we are. Um, but yeah, I was always surprised that Temple Bar, the biggest tourist football yeah. area yeah. in Dublin, yeah. or probably in Ireland, in fairness, yeah. um, did not have a, a bookshop, book yeah. you know. <laughs> um, so I'd been looking at sites in Temple Bar. This one came up. We went for it. And I thought we would be largely dependent on tourist business, mm. you know. I thought yes. that was where we were going to be aimed at. And in all honesty, when I picked the name, the gutter bookshop, which comes from the Oscar Wilde quote, yes. we are all in gutter, some of us looking at the stars it was deliberately kind of quite tourist friendly. Yes. I thought people would okay. find it amusing and yeah. come in and we Oscar could do a little Wilde shrine to Oscar Wilde yeah. and sell lots of Oscar Wilde things yeah. to people, you know. Yeah. So what surprised me is when we opened, yeah. actually we're about 50-50 in terms okay. of business, yeah. in terms of local and tourist. Yeah. And I think a, there are a lot of apartments in this area. You know, mm. there's actually quite a big residential community here. Yes. And yeah. they've got a local bookshop, and they're yeah. very happy with that, and they're prepared to use it, mm. you know. Um, but there's also a lot of businesses in the area, yes. and that's a lot of Irish people coming in to work in businesses yeah. that want to pop out at their lunchtime. Yes, you exactly. know, we're very close to the Woodkey Council offices, mm. and yeah. a lot of them would come over to us and buy okay. cards and yeah. books and everything else from us because, you know, we're, we're a local shop that they yeah. can use for things that they need. Okay. So actually, it's been really nice. We have a really nice mix of oh, customer yeah, bases. Okay. Um, and yeah, we, we do do a lot of tourist business, especially mm, this time yes. of year. We're yeah. middle of July now, you know, yeah. and I, I can't count the number of postcards <laughs> I sell on a daily basis. Yes, but um, but, uh, but they also come in, you know, we have a postcard start card outstand. It doesn't make us any money, okay, yeah. but they pick up a postcard, they come in, and then we sell them about yes, 100 books. You know? Charlie Byrne offer a wide array of specialities, which has expanded over time as they have acquired new members of staff. Moving forward, there is one demographic they are particularly careful to please. It's, well, it's, it's, I think it's vital for every shop really to have, have somebody uh, who works in the shop who really understands the, 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 the world of, of children's literature. Um, we have somebody here at the moment called Ruth um, who uh, joined us a couple of years ago. Before that we had a, a girl called Olivia who kind of really took it to a, a new level and, and Ruth has been fabulous as well and taken it taking it on from there. It, a bookshop really needs that because uh, parents want their children to have the same kind of reading experience that they grew up with before the devices kind of kick in. And it's it's a really important thing for the trade across the board that you have a, a strong children's um, section because people will remember that as well as kids you know then and, and you're you're basically looking at your future um customer base because uh, you know they, 
those kids are going to grow up and if you don't give them a positive experience in a bookshop when they're young it'll be harder to get them later you know because of the position of reading and the culture has changed so you know it's 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 important for all of those reasons and and most kids really get it you know they i mean whatever the device habit or culture is in the home in the shop it's a strong association with with with, with print and illustrated books it's it's great but it's it's really important you know for for that reason if you're going to if you're going to battle the the digital world you know which will become more important to the kids as they grow up obviously but if you give them that thing that they can remember then you know you'll have a chance of hanging on to them while the future may yet be in safe hands there are more immediate concerns for independent booksellers vincent describes the apparently dystopian situation it's very hard to quantify but sometimes you just don't see people again you know and you know that they've just developed that that kind of habit perhaps you know or, or maybe have done so so the Kindle is dead. Books are here to stay. It's more about how we choose to get them, though. Isn't by replacement technologies, but by um, by people buying books on the internet. That's 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 the big challenge, you know, because it's just two clicks away from doing it, and it's just really very easy and very um, tempting to do so. You know, so I mean. That's that's your real um, that's your real difficulty, and I think maybe going forward, as as the amount of device options increases, and it seems to be increasing all the time, people have less time to read, and it's, it's it is slightly less um, prominent in the culture than it used to be. You know, it, it obviously you'll still have there's a strong literary culture and you know that will continue but um those are all challenges you know the, and, and the, there's no doubt about the 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 people who who are growing up you know the the, the millennials and post millennials will will have um a totally different attitude to it than than people of my generation or the one just before it or just after it or whatever, you know. So there is a big, um, that's a big challenge there. Amidst all of this, Morris still seems somewhat upbeat. Um, well, I don't think independent booksellers are going to be uh, sailing yachts in Dublin Bay or anything <laughs> no, like okay. that. But at the same time, I think um, that there is a modest living to be made in the yes. business. Okay. And I don't see that changing. Um, Eight or nine years ago, every time you opened a newspaper, hmm. one read one's obituary, <laughs> and uh, we were the handloom weavers of the 21st yes. century. But that, um, as I always suspected, turned out to be something of an overstatement. Yes. Everybody that I meet in the shop, every reader that I meet in the shop who's a serious reader, uh, prefers the printed page. Yes. Okay. Uh, that's not to say that they wouldn't use digital for um, scanning or for uh, dipping in and out of things of course they do and we ourselves here produce the Dublin Review of Books mm. or it's produced from this premises I'm okay. involved, I'm one of the editors okay. and that is a, a digital production so we're a sort of uh, we don't have any kind of principled objection to digital word bricks and bricks if you like Funnily enough, it was in 2009 when the good times had supposedly faded that the gutter bookshop first opened and flourished 
So I was always keeping my eye out, but of course during the boom years in Ireland, you could yeah. not get a decent property yes. for a decent amount of money. Yes. You know, it was just silly yeah. season. So it never happened. Okay. Um, I went on, I was working actually as a, I, I managed the shop for Hughes and Hughes book chain up at Stevens Green shopping centre and then moved to their head office as their buyer. So did again, the same thing for Hughes and yes. Hughes, bought in their Christmas catalogues and their yeah. three for twos and all those kind of things. Okay. Um, and it was while I was with them, actually, it was during the start of the recession, kind of two, yeah. 2007, 2008, oh, okay. um, and we had our hours cut because, mm, you know, people yeah. weren't spending money, and it gave me a bit more time to kind of do some stuff, yes. and of course at okay. this time as well is the time that um, some property then came onto yes. the market at a decent price, so okay. in a way the recession helped me. <laughs> yeah. So we did it, We I, I decided to go for it, and we opened in uh, November 2009, so we're coming up for our seventh birthday now, um, and it's the best thing I've ever done, you know, it's it's fulfilling a dream but yeah. it's also I've learned so much and for all the doom and gloom about the recession and about bookshops and how nobody was going to mm. buy books yeah. ever again and they <laughs> yeah. were done and dusted and antiquated every year we've been open it's just built and built okay. to the stage okay. that two and a half nearly three years ago we opened a second branch mm. out in Dorky in yes. South Dublin um, which is also doing well you okay. know so I think for all the doom and gloom talk, actually people go out and they buy books and yeah. they enjoy books and they like physical books okay. and they like physical bookshops. <laughs> and yeah. the story now seems to be, you know, the books aren't dead after all. And yeah. we're kind of there going, you know, well, this is what we've been saying <laughs> yeah. all along. Books aren't dead. Indeed, in times when more indulgent vices are beyond our reach, the bookshop remains a dynamic presence. There is a, there is a strong reading culture in Ireland. I think it, it's it's definitely the case that people read more in this country than they do in other countries i think certainly more than they do in the uk um and that's 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 a positive of course but um i think people enjoy the the, the physical bookshop as well and, and and appreciate it in a way that um they might now appreciate the lack of of record shops and of interesting shops that aren't selling shoes, you know, that, that that are doing other things apart from selling coffee and shoes and, you know, you, you need places like that to make your towns and cities interesting. So, you know, if, if, if and I just try and remind people that Amazon has no interest in your community. So, you know, you, you need to invest in that. Something that we wanted to do for a very long time yes. and it was a question okay. of finding the right space okay. um, at yes. the right time. We have a beautiful... Um, Georgian building here mm. uh, reworked in the late 19th century in the arts and crafts style yes. and uh, we love it and um, it's part of a wider sort of um, understanding of well, what the bookshop what a successful bookshop can be mm. um, it's okay. it's really no longer a place where you rush in and mm. see have they got this book has the yes. bookshop got this book because you need it for some project or other yeah. um, uh, the reality is that many people will use the, um, you know, the, the, the vast um, uh, warehouses mm. um, uh, run by uh, huge companies mm. for that purpose. Some people yes. will, yes. and when they come to, uh, mind you, I should say in parenthesis that a lot of people are giving them a wide berth too. We meet yeah. people who on principle don't do that. Yes, okay. But um, I many people do, and the, a bookshop has to be doing something different. Mm. And so um, it's a sort of a, almost like a, a bookshop stroke arts centre. Yes. And okay. it's a place you can come and spend a couple of hours. Mm. Um, and so we have um, 
we've tried to create a really pleasant space in our cafe mm. and in our bookshop mm. uh, a, a, a place where you can if you feel like giving yourself a little bit of a treat or having yeah. you, you can you can come here literary and uh, and coffee <laughs> or, and, and even sugar <laughs> if, you, if you wish yeah. and we also throughout the year um, have a series of readings and uh, discussions and debates and so on and together it all kind of is a bundle which um, uh, we feel um, is the kind of thing that a bookshop uh, like ours should be doing. Okay.